Hi everyone and welcome to the Parma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's really great to have you all here uh, and I'm really honoured today to welcome a new guest to the show who's a friend of mine. Uh, she's got an incredibly powerful story and we're going to hear that today. Um, so welcome to the show, Marie. Hey James, so good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on finally, all the way from British Columbia. Yeah, we're I'm in the Slocan Valley in BC, Canada. Um, it's a beautiful place to live. You're going to have to come out and visit us sometime. Yes, I think that's that's definitely got to happen, isn't it? At some point, um, it really is yeah. beautiful out there, and I've never been to to Canada, so um, I've got to make that happen at some point. Well, we're we're, we're practically siblings, James. <laughs> right? well, I mean, you're you're British. I'm Canadian. It's the Queen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We're both part yep. of the Commonwealth. Yeah, the, the Queen Mom. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love the Queen. By the way, just putting that out. There. No, no. I, I I love the Queen. I don't love all of her family, but I do love the Queen. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. Um, she's pretty formidable. Um, Ninety six and still going strong. You know, um, amazing. I know, I know. It's incredible. Yeah, um, how she does it. That British spirit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she, she embodies that a lot. Um, it's going to be a very sad day when she dies. Um, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. It's good to have you, um, Marie, and uh, and people might know you better by your Twitter handle as well. Um, so tell us what tell us that. So just in case. Yeah, on, on Twitter I go by Mystic Putney Girl 7. Um, Putney Girl is always going to be in my handle. Sometimes the first word might change now and again, um, depending how I feel. But usually it's, it's mystic. I'm a bit mystical, you know, through deconstruction. I've moved from knowing everything to pretty much knowing nothing. So <laughs> That's I like it. the word mystic. That's it. That's the journey. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, from thinking you know everything to realizing you know nothing. That's uh, that's it. That's the journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in a shortened form. So tell us a right. bit. So tell us a bit about your kind of background and then into the story of kind of your deconstruction. Well, um, I I didn't grow up in the church. I'm going to start with that. Um, my I come from a really like really rocky childhood. Uh, my childhood was absolutely terrible. Um, and I met my husband in high school. We were high school sweethearts. And I lived in foster care for a few years. Um, and then after I met my husband, we, we kind of moved in together when we were in high school, grade 11 and 12. Uh, so we started living in sin right away. Like, <laughs> I didn't know what that meant even because I had never been in church. Um, and... Yeah, we graduated high school together. Um, I, I did some college and worked, and he was a mechanic. And then he decided, well, then we got saved, um, joined the cult of evangelicalism. <laughs> yeah. He decided that God was calling him into ministry. Right. And then what happened? Well, um... So we were, let's see, I'm thinking back. We were, I want to say I was 22 or 21 when we got saved. 
Mm. Um, and we didn't have kids yet. We have been trying to have kids actually for about a year, I think. Um, but we had one day the Jehovah's Witnesses came knocking on our door, actually. This is how it happened. And, wow. you know, they, they're trained on how to kind of get in, get into your house in a way, you know, like asking the right questions. Um, and she had asked about my history and that um, I was raised by my grandmother for, for most of my life. Um, and then she asked me, I'll never forget this. She asked me, well, don't you want to know where she is now that she's gone? And I thought, yeah, I actually do. And that was her foot in the door. <laughs> it's such a, it was so manipulating. Um, so, mm. yeah, we started studying with Jehovah's Witnesses. And we studied really intensely, like twice a week for over a year. Um, we went to their... Like every Sunday, we went to the Kingdom Hall, and we went to there. They have these big, like, celebration meetings that they have all over the place. We did a couple of those, and we we almost became Jehovah's Witnesses. Like we we really thought that like this this must be where God is. You know, like we're young, we're young and dumb. Like not really any strong family backgrounds on either side. Um, well bonded to each other, but. You know that that was it, and so we were super impressionable. I mean, here's a funny side story that you know those stories you hear about people that the vacuum salesman guy comes and and they get taken for a ride kind of thing. Well, we were that couple. Wow. <laughs> and we spent so much money on this stupid vacuum. <laughs> and we both look back now. We still have it. We both look back and we laugh about it. Um, but, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses and religion was kind of the same thing. Like, mm. we, we just wanted to be good people. That's, that's really what it comes down to, is we just wanted to be good people. We wanted to know what God is and, and if it is and, um, and live a good life. And so, you know, um, one day we met another couple who we told that we were studying with Jehovah's Witnesses. And they completely freaked out on us because they were, you know, Christians. They were evangelicals. Um, actually, no, they were Roman Catholic, which is the funny part. They were Roman Catholic. And they put us in touch with this XJW who she grew up as a Jehovah's Witness and then um, became a Christian, became an evangelical. And then she started her own counter cult ministry. And she actually happened to live here in our area. So we met with her, and it took, like, just a few times meeting with her and a couple of weeks to undo everything that this Jehovah's Witness couple tried to do with us for a year. And we became saved. We got, like, we experienced the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord and, you know, you name it, we felt it. Um, and that was, that was when we got saved. So we were about... I think we were about 22 then. Wow. Yeah, about 22. And then I started volunteering at their at their countercult ministry. So then I just like dove right in to learning about cults. And it's so ironic looking back that that I, that I did that because at the same time the cult of evangelicalism was totally screwing with my mind, and I had no idea. 
I had no idea until I started deconstruction just how messed up and controlling and, and manipulative that form of religion was. Mm. Yeah, and it, it, you're right, it is. Uh, and yeah, it kind of manipulates our our fear and our trauma and our grief and and yeah. uses it and uses it to control us basically that's kind of what it yeah. is and it, it's terrifying when you think about it um, like, very much so yeah like when you like, haven't come out of it myself like when you're on the outside of it it's like was I ever really part of that did, you know did I yeah. actually let myself get sucked in by that did um, you know, like, and, and, and like, I think back to where I was, to where I was even like 10, 15 years ago, and I'm like, whoa, you know. I mean, I was in kind of a progressive church, but it was still yeah. kind of, it was still religious certainty. So mm-hmm. um, it wasn't necessarily evangelicalism, but it was religious certainty. And mm-hmm. like, you get, and, and there were some people in there who were kind of evangelical in their theology in that church, because mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of a broad spectrum. And you think, like, gosh. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, and, and I had no idea that, like, through those, so we were, we were, like, strict evangelicals for probably, I'd say, 20 years. Like, um, my husband pastored, like, he went into ministry right away after we became saved and started online schooling and then the church created um, internship program so that he could actually start working and experiencing pastoral ministry at the same time. And so he was in school like all the time. He, he, we were just super, super busy. Um, and so he, he eventually became a pastor of the church that we both got saved in. And we, we both had some pretty powerful experiences in that church. And lots of people were really, really nice. Like they're like, at the time, thinking back, like we, we have lots of good memories, but there are memories that aren't great to see. And I think the biggest thing that affected my life was the, the whole purity culture crap that that we, you know, have finally started to recognize in all seriousness in the last few years. And I had no idea. Like, I just thought that this is what being a good Christian meant, that, you know, you covered up and there was so much shame and guilt and um, for the first 10 years of my marriage this is the thing that actually still pisses me off and I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive the church for is that for the first 10 years of my marriage I thought we like really screwed up and missed the boat because we had so much sex before we got married but somehow this religious ceremony and piece of paper made such a big deal it was like a make or break thing and uh, for 10 years I thought that like oh well our marriage could have been so much better if only we didn't have sex and it's like what the heck what that I, I just can't tell you how how much that affected my relationship with my husband and how shut down I became like I I really, really shut down in those years, like where, um, like sex and intimacy was just, I was afraid of it. And and the thing is, is before, before becoming a Christian and before like being taught all this evangelical crap, 
we had a decent sex life. <laughs> I'm like, so my poor husband, like, he knew what it could be, and then it wasn't for a long time. And I, like, I had, I had a ton of depression, and not not just because of fear of possible, because of, like my past trauma is there's so much there that the church kept telling me that oh you don't look don't look to your past you just look forward there's there's nothing for you in the past um there's that scripture they always use like press on towards the goal um what's in the past is in the past and there was so much garbage back there the quantity that like i had ptsd from that even to this day i still if i'm in the wrong situation my heart will start racing i'll start sweating and i can't breathe like I had so much trauma that I had to unpack. And the church told me not to look then, that Jesus, that it was just supposed to be fixed. And so it was like I lived for 20 years just limping along, wondering why, like, why don't I feel good? Why, how come I'm not better? Where is this, like, feeling that everybody claims they have, but they all don't look like they have it? I don't know if that's making sense. Yeah, that's what purity culture can do. And it, it's incredible, isn't it? That, 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 that purity culture's damage goes so far that it can actually wreck a marriage that was that was actually doing pretty yeah. well, you know? and Or nearly wreck a marriage, because fortunately it didn't wreck yeah. a marriage and you're still married. And um, you're a yeah. beautiful couple. You're one of my favourite couples. Um, I uh, I love seeing you guys on Twitter. Yeah, like, um, yeah. our, like our relationship, we're super strong, and we've always been each other's best friends. We bonded super well together when we were young, and then you know those years where it was such a struggle, and I felt so much shame, and I was so shut down. Like it's those were years we can never get back for one, and those were years that were not necessary. None of that was necessary. I, like I look back and. Yes, I learned how to communicate better, but it wasn't necessary. We didn't have to go through that, you know. Like, yeah, it it actually still makes me quite angry. Yeah. Oh man, I understand. I I feel it. I really do. It's um. Yeah. Yeah, it can do so much damage to you, and it's only when you start unlearning, and deconstructing, and, and doing that transformation work that that you start to see the depths that yeah. it goes to and how much damage it did to you like I'm st- I'm kind of what six seven years into this and you know there's every every day I, I find something new like oh crap yeah. I've got that trauma as well and that trauma as well and I didn't know that you know and it's uh, yeah it's um, it's lifelong work it's, on learning it's actually it. it's stunning isn't it like that how deep it goes and for those who are still left in it, like I, I've had conversations with people, and they just look at me like a deer in the headlights. Like they, they don't really get it, and it's because they're still there. They're still living under under that blanket of, of purity culture. They think that, you know, some of them think that, oh, oh, we look and recognize it and blah blah, but they they still don't understand the depth of thievery that it is in our lives. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it, it just does so much damage to people, and yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, and I think yeah, like so, my deconstruction started 
my like I can actually look back and I say like my deconstruction started about I think it was it's nine years ago, eight or nine years, when my mother in law died. And so this was a woman who she she took me in. Like I moved in with with Jesse into his family in grade like end of grade ten. And I came from a place of having no family. I, I had no family. I was the black sheep of the family. I was the one that everybody thought, you know, like, what's going to happen to poor Marie? Because my parents were both, like, alcoholics or drug addicts. Um, my mom was 15 when she had me. You know, so I, I come from a <laughs> really not stable family. Um, and so I moved in with Jesse's family, and his mom just became my mom. Like, she, she taught me so many things. And, you know, and when we became Christians, that put a really big wedge between my relationship with her, actually, because she was, she was quite new age. And um, she had grown up in the church, but, you know, at her age, she, she died when she was 63, I think. You know, she'd seen a lot of life, and... She moved beyond that, and she had a lot of new age beliefs. So it put this huge wedge between us. And there were so many times when we'd get into like kind of mini arguments, and she had the the fortitude and the love to not to not push it and to just keep loving us. And I look back at that, and I just think that that kind of love is the love that I want to display in my life. And when she passed away, the thought that she could be someone who would be going to hell tortured my soul, like, the whole time she was sick. She died of ALS, a very aggressive form of ALS. And mm. so by the time we, you know, realized what she had for the time she died, it was like six months. Um, and so in that time, it's like all my beliefs started to unravel and... I started to really think that, like, how how could hell be a real place? Like, how could God be something that's loving and send a woman like my mother-in-law to hell simply because she didn't say the right stupid prayer or believe in the Jesus of the evangelical? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. And so that was when, that was when, like, the crack in my face really started, was that when she died, there was, I could not accept that God would send someone like that to hell. Um, yeah. It's amazing. I always, it's fascinating to me that that the grief just has this power. Like, you know, you lose someone you love and it just makes you question everything, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I could probably trace back my my... Uh, transformation, deconstruction journey, probably to when my mum died, probably. Mm, like, because wow. I, um, if I really deep it, because I I think that is when, like, the God that I believed in for so long was suddenly wasn't, wasn't big enough, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I kind of had loads of questions after that, and they didn't really stop. I didn't tell anyone about them. And then, kind of, I stumbled through a bit of certainty because that's what can happen when you go through sure. grief and you deal with grief in the wrong way. You go into certainty. Uh, you cover yeah. up your pain yeah. with certainty. And I, I kind of did that a little bit. 
uh, with kind of progressive certainty, but I was still asking questions, so I was kind of half halfway there, if that makes sense. And I was still moving, and I was still going further and further, you know, towards kind of, uh, well, away from the church, I guess, away from certainty. I was moving that way really slowly, but I didn't notice it until, you know, and then something happened, another trauma happened, which really gave it the final kind of shove. And, yeah, so it's really interesting to me just how much grief can be a catalyst for transformation and if we respond yeah. to it in the right way um, that's not to say that grief is a good thing or whatever but, um, or that we should seek it out but it, but I just see it in so many people that some kind of trauma or loss um, if we respond yeah. to it in the right way in the healthy way um, and do okay. the work and feel our pain and feel our trauma that yeah. uh, that actually that, can st- that has the power to transform us and, and heal us and liberate us yeah yeah for sure. Um, so what? Yeah, so, so after that, then, you know, once those questions started happening, I started to kind of see things differently. And other things like um, women in ministry, like for some people in our church, that was like a, a deal breaker. Women couldn't serve in a pastorate and women couldn't. And we're from a denomination that is very pro-women, which is super funny. Um, but still, there's people within each church that can still hold those old-fashioned ideas. Um, and so, you know, I started to look at that and, and question that. Like, what? Why? And I'm a person who, like, all I ever wanted to be was a mom and a wife. I am that, that quintessential, you know, evangelical woman who that's all I wanted to do ever since I was a teenager all I ever wanted to be was a mom and a wife all I ever wanted to do was serve my husband cook cook dinner do the laundry like that's honestly (laughs) it's still who I am now saying all that I 100% will go to the mat for the career woman If, if a woman wants to have a career and they want to not have children or a family or whatever they want. I, I'm fully behind that woman. I fully support that woman. It's, it, you know, faith isn't about fitting into any kind of mold. Faith is about following your heart. And, and so my, in my life, you know, at that time, there was a lot of things that I kind of related to in, in church. That Like, oh, you know, women stay home with the kids and... And I love doing that. Now, I had friends at the time who would say, well, you have to do that to be a godly woman. I would never say that. I never felt comfortable saying that, like, you have to live this way, mm-hmm. even though that's a passion of mine, of living that way. I've never been someone who wants to box people in. So, you know, that those those constructs started to fall away too, like and and recognizing, yeah, that was my heart's desire, but that doesn't mean that God calls all women to do that, whatever God is. Like doesn't mean that all women have to follow this one pathway that is that that can be really limiting for for some women who you know, maybe they've got brains that can send rocket ships to Venus. I don't know. Like, it's just such a simplistic way of viewing half the world's population, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
absolutely yeah yeah um, i love that i so, love yeah go ahead yeah so um so even though i like my passion was to be a stay-at-home mom and, and do the family thing and and it still very much is i always recognize that that is not something women should be locked into and so i've always had this like rebellious part of me I mean, I've always had a rebellious part of me, period. It doesn't matter whether I was a Christian or not. Like, authority figures just, uh, you know, I, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I feel um, that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I mean, it's a guess. It's actually a guess. Anyway, so, I, you know, I started to really look into that and, and read about that and study it. At the time, I still very much believed in the Bible and, and like, where is it written? Like, that's how we were taught in our denomination. Like, where is it written in the Bible? And be like the Berean. And, um, and then you learn how to argue your perspective from, you know, from the quote-unquote biblical yeah. viewpoint. And, um, and then, you know, a few more years went by, and the LGBTQ issue is really what... Lit the, lit the fire for me like where in my deconstruction when um, our, okay, our denomination is the Evangelical Covenant Church when the Evangelical Covenant Church decided that they would not endorse same-sex marriage yes I know that there are so many reasons why they didn't I'm not going to make excuses for them that, is, that was when the fire in me was lit and that is when I just like my soul just could not stand any longer any vestige of old fashioned Christianity, like because it was mm. so offensive and repulsive to me that somebody a, a church would take the stand to say not just like purity culture, but to say that because you're gay, you're not welcome to serve in any leadership capacity or you're in sin and you're going to go to hell. Like, it's just, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> just like, I, yeah. that was like, that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. And, and then Trump. Then when I watched the church, the evangelical church in the States, and some of my friends up here in Canada were so pro-Trump, I was like, like, what is even happening? How... How is this a thing at this point in time? How are people who are faithful, loving people looking at a guy like Trump and thinking that this is a good thing? It, it just, it made absolutely no sense to me. So there's all these pieces that came together in, in just like dominoes falling. And it, <laughs> when, like for me, when change happens, like I, it kind of is like a, Explosion. It's not just like, a, oh, we're just going to change one little thing at a time. Now, it, when when my mind wakes up and I can finally see and understand something, I go supernova. <laughs> it's not yeah. a quiet transformation. And so being a pastor's wife and being very loved in my community, like the, all three, we belong to three churches. We have one congregation that's ours, but we're sister churches with two other ones. Um, it, like we... We're very, we were very loved in our community, um, and so I, as I started to speak out, then it started to ruffle feathers, and 
I started I started to speak out more and so also in that process I started to realize just how much these stupid doctrines of fundamentalism and evangelicalism had poisoned my heart in so many ways and there was a point I remember last I think yeah it was like a year ago last spring where I remember thinking I actually don't know who I am like who am I like I I completely lost myself to the machine and and living the ministry life and and serving the people and it just it like it was such it was such a low point um Mm. and we raised two boys in that like we we weren't with our kids we weren't super fundamentalists we we were super passive passive parents like we let them play video games all the time and I mean when they were around age 10 that's when I rediscovered music again and ventured back into my old the bands I love like Aerosmith and ACDC and back into rock and roll and so our kids were exposed to to secular things and we didn't take a hard line on a lot of things we're quite passive parents Um, but Look at, like looking back, I could just see like how much the system had taken over our lives, and it affected me and my husband very differently. Like if you talk to my husband, he he will have mostly positive things to say. Like he has experience in church, and I mean he's still a pastor. He's still serving the church. He uh, he is a pastor who I fully support. Like he is someone who has the kind of love and grace in our community that our community needs and he doesn't hold to dogmatic views of, of things that harm people you know so um, I, he's, he's an amazing person but our experiences in the last 25 years in church were quite different and that's actually remarkable because we're, we're the same couple, like we're married to each other. You know, we raised two boys in the church. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, so then last year, so my kids are 22 and now 20, and they're amazing boys. Like they, man, they have such good hearts. They're so kind, super polite. They know how to have fun, good, healthy fun. And, you know, not so good, healthy fun. Um, they're kind to people, and they're not judgmental. And like that, I'm super proud of them. And my youngest son wanted to serve as a youth leader in um, our sister church's youth group because they have a youth pastor, and our church isn't quite big enough yet to do that. And they turned him down because he's had sex with his girlfriend. And wow. Dave, I cannot tell you that moment I've never in my life wanted to burn down like churches so badly and like that hurt my heart so much that they would turn away my kid who was raised in that building that they served in that my kid who is so good to girls and women he's not a purity cult warrior he's super respectful to women like he like honestly like they don't come much better than him um, and i know i'm his mom i know i'm biased 
but I'm telling the truth, but he's such a solid human. And at the same time, they turn him away. They have this other kid who's like a year or two older than him, serving in the youth group, who is the most misogynistic prick I've ever, ever met in my entire life. And so tell me, like, how does that make any sense? I'm sorry, you've, you've had sex, you can't serve because you're going to poison our youth. Oh, but it's okay that you serve, even though you talk derogatory towards women, tell them to cover up and tell the modest is hottest every second week. Like, how does it make any sense? It doesn't. Mm, so, so, just, just so, so wrong that, that I, I can't believe. Well, I can't believe it, to oh, be honest. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so the same backwards. every time. Yeah, it, it's just typical, that kind of thing. You know, um, like... Yeah, and by, yeah. by this time, they, people, people were realizing that I was deconstructing. And so the, so the last year of my deconstruction was fast and furious. And, and when that one particular event happened, that was that was the event of my soul saying, never again, like, I am forever going to be a warrior against this bullshit. And I will never, ever, ever stand for it. Whenever I see it, I'm going to call it out. <laughs> and that was when, when Mama Bear was on the warpath. And at that time, like... The youth pastor actually sent me this long letter telling me how I should be deconstructing. <laughs> that I should be listen, listening to the right authors and reading the right things. Goodness and I'm like, I'm like, oh, good God. Like, if you could only see and understand just how, just what you're saying to me and how wrong that is. So not only did you reject my kid, who's <laughs> like such a good human. Now you're telling me how I should deconstruct. <laughs> oh my gosh. Laughable, wasn't it? <laughs> it's just laughable. It's just absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah, just ludicrous. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm so... And so... Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Well, no. So then I was going to say, and then it just really started to unravel where the other pastors from the other churches ganged up on my husband and basically called me mentally unwell, unfit, because we started doing um, those dance videos, the corona dance videos. Yeah, I love those. That's how I got to know you. Yeah. Yeah, to brighten people's day off, and they were so much fun to do. Like, they were, it was just, like, you know, COVID has been just so ridiculous and and depressing. Let's have some fun. Like, that's, that's the whole point of it. And so they really came after us, the other pastors and the youth pastor, and and really tried to get my husband fired. And um, in that process, I was through my church membership. It just it really solidified that I'm never going back. I'm actually never going back to any Christian belief. I know that as I'm continuing to deconstruct my ideas and to learn new ideas. There is, like, the elements of, a, of Christian slavery and some of what I say, but there's there's no going back. I'm never going to be involved in that again. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. That's, you know, it's not easy to share a story like that, um, and it takes a lot of courage. So thank mm. you um, for sharing that, you know, and I'm sure that, 
I know, I know, because some of it resonates with my own story, that, that, that it will resonate with a lot of other people. Because one of the most mm-hmm. important things on this journey is that we know we're not alone. And there's other yeah. people out there who have been on that journey. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, thank you. Um, and what, yeah, yeah. And what would be one thing that you've learned on your journey that you would want other people on a similar journey to know? One lesson that you've learned, maybe, or one word of encouragement. Gosh. Um, well, I mean, the big lesson is that the older you get, the less you know. That's very true. Um, and that there is a flavor to love that, you know, I'm discovering now that I never knew in church. And church never taught me and was incapable of teaching me. And that flavor of love is so deep and it's so beautiful. And I see it in so many different people um, who aren't Christian and are Christian. There are lots of good Christians, for sure. But I see that, that flavor of love all over. And, you know, I think that the biggest lesson that I've learned is that when we think that we know it all or that we've got the answer, there's got to be more. You know, God is not, whatever God is, if he, he or she is not what we think it is. <laughs> so much bigger. And if it even is, you know, and if God is or if God isn't, it's okay both ways. You know, that all that matters is love and, and how we love each other and, you know, do no harm. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That really is beautiful. Um, mm. Love wins, eh? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's funny how sometimes on my journey I notice that biblical truths that were or whatever from the New Testament or things that teachings and stuff actually kind of become more real as I lose my as yeah. as I kind of lose my religion if that makes sense as you kind of oh, totally it's like sense. it's like oh that makes that's that in real life that actually makes sense you know um yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible really but uh yeah yeah, yeah. um so where can so just just a reminder? I know we talked about this at the beginning, but where can people connect, connect with you online? Um, on Twitter, I'm Mr. Girl Seven, and hopefully, hopefully Twitter doesn't ban my videos for my or my uh, accounts for the music videos that I have deleted, and I try to delete all of them. But that is who I am, Mr. Girl Seven. Um, I don't have my last name out there publicly. So you'll just have to connect that way, or they can contact you, and you can point them my way. Fantastic! I really would follow Marie. She is um, she's incredible. She's always so encouraging. Um, her, the memes that she puts on her Twitter are incredible. <laughs> I love them. They are so funny and also so wise. Some of them, um, and oh, she's always fun to interact with. Um, you are Marie. I'm 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 really grateful for you personally especially the last year uh, as I've got to know you. Um, so, um, and thank you for sharing your story today. It, you know, it's, again, I think 
so many people will be encouraged and will find solidarity within that um, because we all need yeah. each other. Thank you for asking, James. It's been a real honour. Yeah, my pleasure. Honestly, it's my pleasure to, to host you on the show. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Marie, and uh, and thanks yeah. for listening, everybody.